Welcome to Still Pretty, a Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast from Chipperish Media. I'm film scholar and abstract punishment, Noelle LaCroix. And I'm story expert and that slayer you've been hearing so much about, Lonnie Diane Rich. And we are here today to talk about Bad Eggs, the 12th episode of season two. Bad Eggs first aired on January 12th, 1998, and was written by Marty Noxon and directed by David Greenwalt. A warning before we begin, every episode of Still Pretty talks about each episode within the greater context of all of Buffy and as such is fully spoiled. All right, the good news is that they're not amongst the great thinkers of our time, so let's go on patrol. In Bad Eggs, Buffy bumps into a dim-witted vampire named Lyle Gorch at the mall and runs him off, and Joyce complains that Buffy isn't responsible. For a school assignment, all the kids get paired up to care for an egg, pretending it's a baby. But because Buffy wasn't in class and there were an uneven number of kids... I'm a single mother. No man of her own. Do you know what this says about me? I am doomed to lead my mother's life. How deeply scary is that? Cordelia and Xander make out in closets... Buffy and Angel make out in graveyards. Lyle and his brother Tector stalk Buffy. At night, a tentacled thing reaches out of the egg and slithers onto Buffy's face, disrupting her sleep. Lyle and Tector Gorch hang out in the sewer, living under the delusion that they can take out the Slayer. I think you are afraid of the Slayer. Alright, I'm gonna beat you like a red-headed stepchild. Throw your ass out in that sunlight, come on. You think you can? Giddy up, son. At school, both Buffy and Willow are sluggish, but Xander is fine. When he drops his egg, it doesn't break. Turns out, he boiled it. Buffy and Angel make out in the graveyard again, and when the subject of kids comes up, Angel says he can't have any. Because, you know, vampire. So you don't think about the future? No. Never? No. You really don't care what happens a year from now. Five years from now. Angel, when I look into the future, all I see is you. Oh, Buffy. At school, a janitor working the late night shift goes into the basement, finds a huge gaping hole in the wall, and gets pulled through it. At home, Buffy's egg jumps out at her, and she stabs it with a pair of scissors. Joyce comes in and yells at her again for being irresponsible and grounds her. At school, Buffy asks everyone about their eggs, with no luck. So... Your egg isn't acting odd or anything. It isn't acting anything. It's an egg, Buffy. It doesn't emote. Xander, in search of the perfect snack, decides to eat his hard-boiled child-slash-egg and discovers it's a little baby monster thing. While they do a dissection of Buffy's full-grown egg monster and Xander's hard-boiled egg monster, Willow and Cordelia knock them both out and throw them in a closet, then join all the other mind-controlled kids and teachers in the basement, where they break up the floor, under which is an undulating mama bazaar. Whatever that is. Meanwhile, Joyce goes to visit Giles to complain about kids in general, but what she means specifically is Buffy. You know, the girl who saves the world every week. Do you have children, Mr. Giles? Uh, No, I I haven't any children. Although, uh, sometimes I feel as though I do, working here. It can be such a, oh, I I don't want to say burden, but uh, actually I kind of do want to say burden. (laughs) Giles, who is mind-controlled, puts a little egg monster on Joyce, and she becomes mind-controlled as well. They go down to the basement for some refreshing manual labor, collecting baby eggs from the Mama Bazaar. Buffy and Xander wake up in a closet and go down to the basement to save everyone. They attack. Then Lyle and Tector show up and attack. The Mama Bazaar eats Tector. Buffy jumps into the cracked floor and kills the Mama. Everyone faints. Buffy pulls herself back out of the ground, covered in black Bazaar goo. Lyle runs away. All right. Giles convinces everyone it was a gas leak. Joyce grounds Buffy even more, saying she can't leave her room. Buffy lives to the letter of that law, making out with Angel from her bedroom window. I'm not breaking any rules. Buffy, are you going to bed? In a minute. All right, so, Noelle, it's it's bad eggs. (laughs) It's it's such a bummer of an episode. (laughs) So many levels. Like, so uh, yeah. many. As I'm watching it, I'm just thinking, I don't have a lot to say about it. Because it's not, it's not like one of the truly terrible episodes of Buffy. But it's it's not good either. No. No. I mean, I was, I was looking for some sort of 
deeper meaning or metaphor or major theme. And there's just nothing. I mean, there's a kind of alien face hugger monster thing going on with the contents of the eggs, which mm-hmm. look so conveniently like chicken eggs. I mean, isn't that yeah. wonderful? Isn't well, that great? Well, you know, I mean, I um, guess that's how you get by as a big mama that has to live underneath <laughs> the cement in a basement. You know, I mean, that's, yeah. that's probably they've evolved that way because the eggs look like chicken eggs. So it's much easier to get out and take people over for whatever it is that for that purpose is. But what yeah, is it doing? It, I, I uh, I and know. I mean, and if they were doing aliens, like if they were doing mm-hmm. something aliens like that was super political about welfare mothers and the feminization of poverty, like I would be here for this. But <laughs> I don't think that's what they're doing. I don't yeah, I'm not think... sure they're doing anything. No. It's just there's no subtext. It's all text. And I think that's honestly the problem with bad eggs. It's a bad monster. And the best monsters that we have in Buffy are are monsters that represent something. They represent an emotional situation or they represent some kind of, you know, greater context that we're talking about. Um, or, you know, in the case of, of some of the vampires, they're cool and they're fun. Like Tector and Lyle, I really quite enjoyed. I thought they were they were kind of fun. <laughs> they're probably my, my favorite part of this whole, you know, not to not to like, you know, give away the ending of the episode. But, um, jumping ahead to the end of the episode to what's your favorite part so i don't have to talk about this but <laughs> it was fun um so i think that you know we get our best monsters when we have that kind of greater story going on like some assembly required was about loneliness and grief reptile boy was the demon lizard patriarchy hat tip to buffering the vampire slayer for naming that um halloween was about our fantasy selves versus our real selves um so there's a lot of stuff you know that that in the monsters when the monsters are good they're talking about something that is that is uh, has a greater meaning has something mm-hmm. bigger going on and in this episode you know we're, we're talking about the mama bazaar with all the little baby bazaars that are like taking people over and being parasitic and whatever and then we have this constant refrain of joyce complaining about buffy being irresponsible so there is like i i think a potential for there to be like a kind of a parent child you know sort of reflection in that um mm-hmm. But it's just, it's a parasite demon, you know, Um, all of it seems to be a biological imperative with no real value judgments one way or the other. If the Mama Bazaar was complaining about her kids and we were making a connection between the Mama Bazaar (laughs) and Joyce, then maybe, you know, there might be something to that. If we had Joyce, say, complaining to the Mama Bazaar about how hard it is to be a single parent and the Mama (laughs) Bazaar is like, bitch, please, you have one kid. (laughs) I have 8,000. And I have to find a clever way to get them out there, you know, <laughs> to take over the world. Like this is this is difficult. Try, yeah. try living my life. I'm 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 like undulating underneath a cement floor. Like this is my life. You Do you know? know how uncomfortable that is? I mean, Do you really? Have any idea how difficult <laughs> like, it is to have a high school to deliberately make a high school get built on top of you? That is like that takes so much coordination. You know, you got to get the permits. Like that's difficult. You know? <laughs> yeah, and I mean. They, it feels like there's kind of the beginning of a theme with the whole like sex ed and pregnancy, and we've really upped the physical contact between Buffy and Angel and also mm-hmm. Xander and Cordelia. Sure. We're making these connections between sex and reproduction and hormones. And we have Mr. Whitmore, who I guess is mind controlled at this point, but giving like the best sex ed class ever. <laughs> like, he's, so funny. He's so great. I love Mr. Whitmore. Oh, yeah. I so you love- thought that was great? Like opening up with S-E-X. <laughs> well, I thought it was great from uh-huh. the the potential for a ridiculous kind of metaphor for, sure, sure. you know, teenagers mm-hmm. and hormones and, mm-hmm. you know, all of the, like, the feelings. But then there's maybe going to be pregnancy but they don't really do pregnancy on Buffy ever but then there's Mm -hmm. then we're joking about Buffy being a single mother and Mm -hmm. she's doomed to live her mother's life she says and they but there's no payoff for any of that no and and the thing is the the stuff with Joyce I mean Joyce is basically just a conflict delivery machine at this point she's like a vending machine you put a quarter in and you get some bitchy comment you know just to make Buffy's life difficult and the thing is is that like I would sympathize with Joyce like 
I am a single mother. Like, I know what that's like. And I know that it's really, really hard and it's exhausting, you know. And, like, I get she doesn't know that Buffy's saving the world, you know. Mm -hmm. So all she sees is irresponsibility. But there's such a great opportunity to have a real conversation between Buffy and Joyce where they actually, like, at the end of this episode, actually see each other. But that's not a relationship that we're developing. We're just using Joyce as a conflict vending machine. And that basically shuts down her character. And we have this awful moment with her and Giles where she's coming in and saying, well, I don't want to say she's a burden, but yeah, she's a burden. And I'm like, you know, yeah, first of all, (laughs) like, first of all, I understand. I know how hard it's hard to be a mom. And sometimes it does feel like it's just too much and you just want a vacation from it. Like, I get it. But and I also understand that I have been like incredibly lucky in my kids. My kids happen to be people that I would like anyway, that I would enjoy as people. Anyway, not mm-hmm. every parent gets that. Like sometimes, you know, and it, it's not necessarily through any fault of your own. It's kind of a crapshoot. And sometimes you give birth to an asshole. It happens, right? Um, so I, so I, I, like, I understand, like, it's, it's really difficult and everything. But this idea of Giles is not Joyce's person, right? Giles is yeah. Buffy's person. And so the lack of loyalty to Buffy to go to Giles and complain about Buffy, you know, and then put Giles in that position. Of course, Giles is mind controlled at the moment. He'll never remember. So it doesn't really matter in the long run. But, you know, we don't know that in that moment. And to put Giles in the position of having to sympathize with her while she's complaining about basically the person that is his friend, like he's closer with Buffy. He doesn't even know Joyce at this point, you know. Um, So all of it to me feels It doesn't feel like Joyce is a character. It feels like she's just there to to make Buffy's life harder and to not understand Buffy. And if at the end of this, where we've got this Mama Bazaar and all these babies, and then had we told a story about that and then ended on Joyce and Buffy's relationship being somewhat mended and having a greater understanding for each other and a greater sympathy for each other, I think that that could have been okay. But we just kind of like, we, we, we it's like we're driving real fast past all these great places and we yes. stop at the crappiest dive bar. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, this is good enough. We don't have to go to a nice place. <laughs> yeah, th- this is fine. Right. Yeah. I mean, the interaction with, so we, we open with Buffy and Joyce at the mall mm-hmm. and they're having that discussion about clothing and, oh God, Joyce uses the word streetwalker to describe yes. the outfit Buffy tried on. And I mean, come on, Joyce, come on, <laughs> really? I mean, such a bummer. <laughs> like, you know what? How is your child ever going to learn how to slut shame if you don't start doing it young? Right? It's all about those value judgments, man. Got to get that in there. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and they have a little back and forth with, mm-hmm. you know, Joyce's dress from, what is it? Everyday Woman, which is... Everyday Woman. Such a otherwise great known name. As the store for the woman who has given up. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, it's so good. It's it's so perfect. Yeah. But then they have this moment when Joyce has Joyce has gotten food and Buffy meets her at the food court mm-hmm. and Buffy of course has been fighting vampires so she yes. didn't pick up the dress. And Joyce is so angry with her and says, "Don't you ever think about anything besides clothes and boys?" Mm-hmm. And Buffy says, "Saving the world from vampires?" Right. And if you are a queer person, or I mean, even if you're not, I guess, Mm -hmm. you know this moment, you've done this thing where you have something about yourself, about your life that you really want to tell people, Mm -hmm. you really want to tell people the truth about who you are, and you're sort of testing the waters. Like, how Mm -hmm. is this going to go over? Right. Like, if I drop this bomb, how is this going to land? And so I just... There's a there was a great I don't know there was a great opportunity here to do a sort of a coming out story or kind of the beginnings of that coming out story and they just didn't go anywhere with it. There's so much in this episode that just goes nowhere. No, it's all a bunch of stuff that gets left on the floor. It's like, yeah. you know, all of this stuff that could be great if stitched together properly and they're like, "Nah, I'm just going to put that there and leave it." I'm not yeah, going to do anything that's with fine. it. Yeah, and I mean, and we even get some, we get some 
cute Joyce too with like, mm-hmm. what's the matter? Your egg keep you up all night? I thought yeah. that was great. Like that was a great little yeah. bit of a mom dig. Like, mm-hmm. sure. you know, like it's not, you know, like really you think an egg is going to going to yeah. be a good representation for mm-hmm. what it's like to have a baby. I, right. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Did you ever yeah. do the, the, you have to take care of something no, no, I never okay. did that at my school. Although when I've talked about bad eggs before, a lot of people said, yes, they had to do the egg thing in school. And I know there are some schools that have like these mechanical babies. I think yeah. they had a mechanical baby that would cry and like, you know, um, and so all of that stuff is just um, it, it's something that my school never did. They never acknowledged it. We had a little bit of sex education and they were like, no, that's fine. Just go out and get pregnant. It's easier than talking to you guys about this, you know? Um, So like we never really had that at my school. And it's funny. Did you have that? Did you have to take care of something? No, no, we never had to take care of anything. Um, I know some, some of my peers did a a bag of flour that they had to carry Yeah, no, I heard about that too. And Niles does that in an episode of Frasier. Where he's trying yes. to decide if he wants a baby, so he straps a yes. bag of flour to his chest. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, can we talk about Frasier instead? Yes. Oh, my gosh. I have seen all of Frasier, I think, all the way through once. Oh, I've seen it like five times. I love Frasier. We will talk about that the next <laughs> the next episode or the next podcast. After the next podcast. Buffy will be, what was it, still snooty. That'll be Frasier. Yeah. <laughs> God. Oh, good Lord. Yeah. So I don't know. Like it's again, it's a missed opportunity here. We have these these reflective, seemingly reflective parenting stories, but we're not really getting anything out of it. It's not really going anywhere. Um, And so we're just kind of left with this conflict between Joyce and Buffy. And then we've got the all the smooching. Right. We've so got much Xander making Cordelia, out. So Xander much Cordelia, making out. You know, making out all the time. We've got Buffy and Angel making out all the time. And then we, you know, we get that nice moment with Buffy and Angel where she's talking about, you know, I don't want to have a kid now, but mm-hmm. someday maybe, you know. And yeah. he's like, well, you know, I, I can't do that. <laughs> and she's just like, okay, whatever. Oh. You know? yeah. And then he's like, you never think about the future. <laughs> like She's 16. Of course she doesn't think about the future. Except that like two episodes ago, wasn't it career day? And we were thinking about yeah. how she's not going to have a future. I, Which if anything is going to dissuade you from thinking about the future, the fact that you likely don't have one, I think right. is probably a good yeah. a good reason not yeah. to think about it, you know? Yeah. I, hmm. So much making out. All so the making much. out. And then, I mean, and then of course we have Xander and Cordelia. Mm-hmm. And I know I said... A couple episodes ago that they that Xander and Cordelia don't do it for me. Here yeah. it totally works. Oh, Here, I, love them. I love it. <laughs> I love it. And I think yes. it's partly because Xander's shadow Xanderiness yeah. mm-hmm. is nicely offset by Cordelia. Because so mm-hmm. much of Xander's grossness is directed at Cordelia. But right. she serves it right back to him. She, she calls does him on it. Yeah, absolutely. She absolutely. does not. She is completely not ruffled by any of that. And then it's Xander who gets his feelings hurt. Right. She doesn't want to look at his Xander face in the closet. And I, know. Like, <laughs> I mean, he's so pouty and mean about yeah. it. And I just I don't know. I don't know. In this episode, they totally work for me. Well, it's it's a fun, like the slap slap kiss thing, you know, the opposites attract the two people who hate each other, but they can't help it can be fun for a little while. So I mean, it's there's a reason why this is kind of classic, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but yeah, like Xander, it wasn't too bad. There was the one thing he said, where how about having to feign interest in her vapid chit chat just so you can get some touch? And I'm like, Oh, my <laughs> God, you're disgusting. <laughs> yeah. you're disgusting. And meanwhile, Cordelia is so adorable when they're talking about sex in the class and she's like he's like what are the dangers of sex and she goes well not for me a friend but was making out with this guy in a miata (laughs) do you mean sex in the car or out of the car (laughs) it was so funny so good so so good Mm -hmm. oh so excellent but i mean i don't know like i don't know and i love their little her little 
we should go check the closets to right. see if Mr. Whitmore falls out of the closet. <laughs> it's just like not not subtle at all. And but the it's... only one who picks up on it, of course, is Willow. And the thing is, I would think that Willow, I mean, I guess maybe because they've known and hated Cordelia for so long that it just doesn't occur to her that the two of them are making out, but she picks up on it. She's like, yeah. are they getting weirder? Have you noticed the weirdness of them? Yes. You know? <laughs> um, so Willow picks up on it. Everybody else is like, whatever, they're just fighting. They're always fighting. <laughs> you know? But it's very, like, it's, it's just not, there's not a lot of there there. There's not a lot. No, there really isn't. And it's kind of disappointing, you know, and it's, it's also like incredibly gross. Like the, you know, the egg monster, the, the, the point just... where it plugs its tentacles into the various. Blah, blah. It, no, I don't want to, uh, 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 it's <laughs> no, like it's long shoot that comes out and then it's got yeah. a little Ugh. like tentacly eggy hand and no yeah. no i'm done no it's really it's really <laughs> gross you know and then um and then of course buffy stabs it with the scissors yeah well, which she, i think is really cool first she chases it around with an iron right. which i think is great which is really great she's resourceful she's using what she has on hand and it reminds me a little bit of the um the black uh, creepy crawlers that the mayor eats in season three when he's got that box full of them and buffy throws faith's knife into it yeah yeah it has a similarity in in movement and design i think so they might they may have actually reuse them who knows the i mean shout to the the puppeteers for this episode because yeah. that's yeah. all those tentacles are all practical effects it looks like yeah and it so, looks i mean as far as practical effects go i think it looks pretty good pretty, you know it's gross yeah it's oh it's super gross it's super gross the the tentacle monster thing crawling on her while she's sleeping is just ugh, right but, <laughs> okay now here's st- some stupid questions because who really cares? Obviously, this is not meant to, like, for, for deep, you know, introspection. But um, so how does the egg make its shell whole again the next morning after crawling out and, and connecting itself to Buffy? Also, why does it have to, like, it, why does it have to wait? It's, it's out of its shell. It's, mm-hmm. you know, connecting in with her. Obviously, uh, you know, one of these things doesn't have to, like, you know, familiarize itself with its host because Giles is able to just throw a random one on Joyce in a minute and she's got she's totally under control. So, like, we have this thing where it's like interrupting their sleep and it's, you know, poking at them in the night and all this kind of stuff. (laughs) And yet, like, why not just take over Buffy then? Yeah, it it makes zero sense. Yeah. Yeah. And when when Buffy calls Willow and we find mm-hmm. out that Willow is, you know, we learn that Willow is under bizarre control. control right? mm-hmm. But before we know that, Willow just seems like sleepy Willow because, of course, yeah. it's two in the morning. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, my egg is fine. I put it in the fridge. It's just she's right. just Willow. Like, it's weird to me that we're doing a mind control thing where sometimes they're zombies marching mm-hmm. to the poor man's Carmina Barana. Right. And <laughs> sometimes they're like, like when Giles throws the thing on Joyce, he's totally himself mm-hmm. until he does that. He's totally Giles, right. just kind of yeah. like being sort of like, oh, ha, ha, children, so funny, yes. you know, <laughs> so challenging. I, I don't have any myself, but I yeah. have all of these children. Like, he's he's just Giles. Yeah. He mm-hmm. enters that scene with his little, like, Scooby-Doo head poke around the outside of the library cage, and it's delightful. And he's just Giles. Right. But then mm-hmm. suddenly he's a bizarre yeah. zombie. Like, I don't. I don't understand what's so they going can, on. They can I don't pretend to be. What? They've got the personality of the person, but yeah. they're controlling. The, it's just like, it's weird. It, it's not supposed to make, nobody cares. Nobody cares whether this <laughs> makes sense or not. Like, it doesn't make sense. We're at a point like, where we're like, we have 45 minutes. We delivered 45 minutes. What more do you people want from us? What do you us? want from us? Right? What do you, you know, want from an, us? And, but the thing is, though, this is Marty Noxon. And Marty Noxon is serious business. Like, she's a yeah. fantastic writer. Now, this was early on. I think this, I think she did, she did uh, What's My Line, I think, part two. Yeah. Or part one. I yeah, can't she co wrote part one, and then yeah. she's the, the sole credited writer on part two. 
Yeah. So, um, so she's, you know, she's got a little bit of experience, but it may just be that she got a dud, you know, she didn't know what to do with it. Um, because this is kind of a duddy. And this is also one of those episodes too, that we're just killing time until we get to next week's episodes, which are the ones that we're actually going to put the energy into, because that's the big like emotional torment of the season, you know, what happens next week, um, which we spoil, you know, I spoil everything, but now I'm being cagey. Why? Because Angel turns into a vampire. That's, you know, yeah, they have sex. It's the first. (laughs) I know. Sometimes I forget that this is fully spoiled and I start being all like delicate about it. Yeah. You're like, well, and then some things happen and some, characters change who they are Certain and things happen yeah, exactly yes, that we won't talk about because wah but i'm happy to talk about it now because i got nothing to say about bad eggs we got nothing <laughs> yeah we got it. well i mean yeah all right we have there's a there's a tiny little bit of characterization that i absolutely love okay um that you know jumping all the way to the end because why the hell not is my why favorite part yeah. mm-hmm. when willow <laughs> willow hands buffy her egg yeah. And, you know, Buffy has that great line about as punishments go, it's kind of abstract. But then Willow says, no, it's your baby. And the way she says baby, <laughs> like Willow, Willow is so uncomfortable in sex ed class. But then as soon yes. as the subject of like pregnancy, you know, she's the one right. who volunteers that that pregnancy may be a an unwanted side effect of sexual behavior. But then once once Mr. Whitmore is like, you know, come collect your your offspring, she is stoked. Willow's got her little egg carrier basket all ready to go. She is mm-hmm. so excited to be Mama Willow. It's so yeah. great. And the yeah. way she says baby, I'm just like, baby. it's your baby. I'm like, <laughs> and this is not a side of Willow that we have seen. We haven't seen right. maternal Willow. We haven't seen the nurturing, you know. She I th- wants I to have, have a baby. I think, <laughs> I think she's a little bit like that, though, with Xander. She kind of does nurture him like a kid sometimes, you know? Yeah. Um, well, but of and course, I know part of that comes from his actually being, you know, <laughs> really immature. Yeah. So. Well, and I think we see it later on with uh-huh. Willow in, in little ways, the way she is so very pleased to help mm-hmm. out when somebody yeah. needs you know tutoring or mm-hmm. you know coaching or understanding you know willow willow right. is there willow is there mm-hmm. for you but the the willow wanting to have a baby thing is just so I dear know. to me <laughs> i know it is it's very sweet it's yeah. very sweet willow the whole thing is just because i could talk about something i love though what do you love lyle and tector oh my god lyle yes and we have are really fun vampire cowboys Vampire Cowboy Brothers is okay. So great (laughs) and so like so much fun. And where is the where is the um, spinoff television show about vampire cowboys? Because I want that. Vampire Cowboy Brothers. Like I and I love like you know we have this scene where they're in the sewer and this is a nothing scene. This is a scene that has nothing to do with the story. Really, it's just thrown in, right? (laughs) But we have them and Tector has such like when Lyle's like I should have just left you on the doorstep when her mother died (laughs) and and. That's one of the things, too, is that, like, when Giles talks about their history, like, well, they came to fame, you know, massacring a town. And they were like, oh, great. And it's like, that was before they were vampires. <laughs> like, these guys were never, never any good, you know. And um, and so they have that whole thing. And Tector's vulnerability when Lyle says that to him is yeah. so great. His feelings are, like, genuinely hurt, you know. Yeah. And they just, like, they're so goofy and they're so fun. And I really do enjoy them in this episode. Now, we're going to see Lyle again. He's going to come back after the Slayer for Slayer Fest 98 in Homecoming in Season 3. Um, so it's going to be fun to see him again. But it's never the same without Tector. Um, because of that that vulnerability, this is they've been together this whole time. And then when Tector gets eaten by the Mama Bazaar, I mean, we have a moment and Lyle's, like, mad. Yeah. And I and it probably wouldn't be like where you want the story to go because it's not Tector's story. We really don't care about Lyle and Tector and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. But I mean, like, I kind of wanted to see him have a moment of, of heartache there and be yeah. really upset about it. He's like, he's mad. And then he's like, okay, well, I guess I'm just going to kill me a slayer and move on, you know, which 
I guess is vampire, but like we we have seen that there is vampire love yeah. and affection, and you know, so we know that that's a thing, and these two are obviously deeply bonded, you know. So I don't know, like it's it's not where we're going. I understand why they didn't do it, but like that, honestly, out of bad eggs was the thing that interested me, me most was Lyle and Tector and their relationship. I love them so mm-hmm. much. I yes. love. I love I love them punching each other for fun. Like yeah. that is what they do as vampire brothers that they Right. They get it like it's just it's they just take turns punching each other and there's something right. so perfect about that. Yes. I mean they're you know, they're a couple of dim bulbs. Yeah. They're not they're, they're not the sharpest, you know, no. crayons in the box. Like you can go to that all, all you want. Um and usually I don't like stupid characters you know yeah but these two i kind of love and i think it is because of that deep bonding because of that vulnerability because of that love vampires who love each other be it a romantic relationship or a family relationship or whatever that always kind of intrigues me you know because it, it complicates so much our idea of what vampires are and what they can be and the closer we get them to humanity i think the more complicated i mean obviously they're evil and they're killing people and they need to be stopped and all that kind of stuff but i i like that it it takes that simplicity of they're just evil you know yeah. it's like they're yeah they're evil but they're also like feeling beings who who love you know um and i and i like that i thought that that was really fun and i loved the way they had tector's vulnerability and it was it was it really made them a lot of fun and those scenes were honestly the stuff that i enjoyed the most yeah and we're starting to see a little bit more variety in our vampires mm-hmm. they're not just monsters yeah. they right they are We're getting personality they have personality and they obviously retain something of the person that they were i mean yeah giles tells us way early that you know this is not the person this is you know a demon right. in a person suit and mm-hmm. it's i mean of course he he doesn't say it that way but you know right like that but basically that's it yeah. that basically that's what it is that it has the memories of the person but it's not the person but i don't know it really seems to me like the vampires are a sort of heightened version of who they were as people right yeah, I mean, are they are vampires a human that has had something taken away, like the soul, right? Mm-hmm. Or like a human that's had something added in? You know, I mean, obviously they say they don't have a soul, mm-hmm. you know, so that takes away the that sense of right and wrong or whatever it is. I mean, what the soul actually does is up for huge debate. We have much textual evidence, most of it contradictory, <laughs> so it doesn't really. Like we're Woo-hoo! not really sure. <laughs> exactly what the soul does because if souls made you good then we wouldn't have bad humans but a vampire with a soul has the ability to feel empathy and guilt and maybe that's what the soul does and if empathy and guilt is the only thing that makes us not be completely horrible and kill each other and you know heartless so like it's it's a very complicated question of what exactly it does and then and then what is added in it's not just that the soul is taken out but like the demon is added in. So you also become that demon that is just all about, all about what? All about evil? Like, that's it? Yeah. Like, so I think it's it's really complicated. It's really interesting to me. Um, and I can never, like, every bit of textual evidence that you get about what the vampire is, what the soul does, what the role of it is, um, it's all contradictory. It's all weird and it's all complicated, but I kind of love it that way. I love that you can't ever really nail it down. It almost seems like it's a different thing for every person. It really does. It mm-hmm. really does. Because if we try to make rules for vampires in this world, there's always yeah. going to be a vampire who doesn't follow those rules. Yeah. And they don't follow the rules usually for story reasons <laughs> because yeah. it's well, yeah mm-hmm. you know it's much more interesting if right you know if we change if we change how vampires work or we change how angel right. works or how spike works mm-hmm. um we'd have so much fun with spike can we just talk oh, about God. spike i know let's he's not in spike. this episode but like let's no. talk about spike and vampires <laughs> because like everything that goes down everything that goes down with spike is yeah. so like 
it just blows the lid off the whole, you know, vampires are easily contained in this checklist of things that. Right. So I don't even know. Yeah. I don't even know. That's a that's a big old that's an interesting conversation we're going to be having a lot that's of, a- especially as we move into season four and we get Spike with a chip. Yes. You know, which is like a, you know, a mechanical uh, electrical soul. Like it's just yeah. rather than making him feel guilty and feel bad, it just delivers a hell of a headache. And yeah, I don't know. It's 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 so interesting what that does to Spike. It puts him in this like nowhere space between being a vampire, he can't be a vampire, can't be a human, you know, stuck in this place. And mm-hmm. I think that that is really interesting. I think Spike, because he allows us to explore the fringe cases of, of what it is to be a vampire, you know, he is probably the one who provides most of the contradictory evidence for everything. Yeah. <laughs> because you put him in a situation and it's always a little bit different. And, yeah. you know, and you wonder, like, is there some of the soul that gets retained if the if the person has a very strong, you know, sense of, of love and compassion and all those solely things? Like, is that <laughs> something that gets, like, carried over? Kind of like when you cook with garlic and then there's garlic in everything? Yes. Like, you know? Yeah, there you go. I don't know. Is, is Spike a garlicky vampire? Which I realize <laughs> now, as I say it, is a weird way weird. to express uh, because of garlic and, and vampires. But anyway, uh, long story short, Bad Eggs is not a great episode. It's- and... <laughs> It's not. It's really not. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's it's kind of disappointing because usually we can pull stuff. And I thought maybe all the stuff in the closet. I was like, oh, Noelle's going to have some great queer I theory on this. And then don't I'm like, I'm not sure really. there's anything to pull out from that. I don't really have a lot of stuff about being in the closet. I mean, uh, with the with the exception of that sort of missed opportunity at the beginning yeah. to really make mm-hmm. this to focus on the friction between Buffy and Joyce over I want to tell her because Mm -hmm. she's she is Joyce is misunderstanding Buffy because Joyce doesn't have all the information Joyce Mm -hmm. is just trying to make sense of what she sees in Buffy and what Mm -hmm. she knows about Buffy and she's making some guesses based on Mm -hmm. past behavior but she has no idea what's going on so Mm -hmm. You know, and then, of course, it's a huge amount of pressure on Buffy to be keeping this secret. So Mm -hmm. some sort of some sort of friction over, you know, I want to tell her, but I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. But what if she doesn't, you know, she's not going to understand. Well, you can't, Mm -hmm. you know, well, obviously she can't understand if you don't tell her. So sure. How do you, you know, there's not. There's a whole different what narrative there that they didn't do. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then all of this, you know, all of the stuff with with our characters being in the closet. I mean, you could mm-hmm. be we could be talking about being closeted. I mean, I think it's funny that that Xander and Cordelia are taking their sexual behavior to the closet. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that they're being closeted about their sexuality. Mm-hmm. But of course, it's a it's a apparently heterosexual relationship. I don't know. Well, right. I mean, because the closet is always associated with, you know, like, you know, being some some variation on, on you know, the, the spectrum LGBTQ plus, whatever, yeah. that, that there's something about yourself that you can't tell people because they won't understand or whatever. So you hide it, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and so we've got like the closet being used as a metaphor, but it's not a metaphor. Yeah. You know, the, the subtext is rapidly becoming text. It's just anybody who is hiding something. And of yeah. course, they're literally hiding in the closet um, so that nobody sees them kissing each other. We've got Buffy in the closet with her vampire thing. And I think that you could have done something with that because it is sitting right there yeah but instead it's just nothing you don't do anything with it yeah like nothing's nothing's done with that idea of hidden identities you know of, mm-hmm. of hiding a part of yourself um you know although i guess all the people who are taken over trying to hide their mind controlled status I, th- but there's nothing like don't. you really can't pull like they, anything out of it yeah there's not and the mind control is not consistent in the way it works. I mean, by the end, mm-hmm. they're just automatons. They're just yeah. 
you know, really ineffectively using those pickaxes oh, no. that I they got from the, the Sunnydale High School pickaxe repository. Did your high school have like what? What? Oh, every high school has that. They're kept right next to the archery set. You didn't notice that in high school? Yeah. Oh, and the abandoned um, science lab. Like that's the yes. other one that every yes. high school has. Yeah. The old every science lab in which we can make our Frankenstein's monster. Anyway. It's just it's it's so it's so crazy. It's just so crazy. Um, so okay, for this episode, I really don't have anything else except for, of course, hashtag Sunnydale so white. Yes, right. Yeah, um, shout out to so, uh, activist April Rain of Oscars so white. Yes. Oh God, yeah. It's just okay. We have um, like I think three people of color show up this week, so it is a banner week, you know, hey. for for Buffy as oh, far God. as just having any representation is all. Diversity. But we have, um, you know, we've got this janitor you know, who is a black man, immediately gets jumped and thrown into a hole. And of course, you know, we presume killed, but apparently just taken over and, and used, you know. Um, we have one black student, right? And then Cordelia oh. runs over to her and says, is that your real hair? It's... And I was like, if she touches her hair, I swear to no. God. And I was watching in the background and she didn't. So at least there was that. This is so um, not okay. Like that... Yeah. Oh my, that ripped me so far out of this already mm-hmm. terrible episode. I was just like... No, 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 no. I mean, the entitlement of white women to black women's bodies and the expectation right. of an answer and the, I mean, specifically around hair and, oh, no, 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 so bad. And the thing is, if we were trying, again, if we were trying to say something about that by using Cordelia as an example of that kind of entitlement, yes. but it wasn't, it was just a background joke. Yes. And, and just ends it just ends with Shanice smiling at Cordelia like nothing's wrong and I'm just like no we needed well which you know which I think a lot of people do because what are you gonna do you just sit there and you You... smile and you deal with it and then you walk away and roll your eyes so I I think it's fairly accurate of the situation that poor Shanice was probably in on a regular basis but but we're not but the thing is because it's background because we're not really we're we're trying I think what they're trying to do here is to display Cordelia's kind of shallow affect that she just doesn't she just doesn't care about anything that's going on and she just wants to talk about hair yeah you know and is that your real hair is like a funny line for Cordelia to say to anybody but the fact that they put you know a yeah. black character in that role with her means that we are bringing in a wider context that we're not then addressing in any way. And it's highly, highly uncomfortable. It's really, it's, I mean, it's intensely problematic and it's not unpacked at all. And if they Mm -hmm. wanted to do something, you know, make this a character moment for Cordelia or whatever to, you know, show. Or have her say Mm. literally anything else. Yeah. Right. Literally anything else. Yeah. You know. Um, where do you get your nails? Done? Anything, anything. Yeah. Talk to her about anything. But like white women and black women's hair, it's, it's just so just... bad. It's so yeah. not okay. It's not okay. I know. It's not... I know. It's such a. And then we have one more person of color who is behind um, Cordelia in line, and of course gets immediately slammed into the wall. You know, attacks Xander, and Xander slams him into the wall. And it's just, I mean, I'm, I'm. I'm glad people are getting work. Like I always want everybody to get work. And I think that that's great, but it just, after a while, it's like, okay, like, and, and, you know, at the time they weren't aware, they didn't know, blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to say that all these people are racist and terrible. I'm just saying, this is us. This is reflecting us back at us Mm -hmm. because the fact that this stuff happened and it wasn't a second thought, nobody had any awareness of it. That reflects us back at us and I think it's important to look at hashtag Sunnydale so white you know when we come across this just because like that's that's the stuff that we need to be aware of that we do without even thinking about it mm-hmm. and by we I mean white people yeah well and white women specifically because <laughs> white women because specifically. Buffy the mm-hmm. Vampire Slayer as a show is pretty good about elevating white women I mean we get a yes. lot of time and attention devoted to well Buffy especially and her mm-hmm. feelings and her pain gets taken very seriously yep that's something that i mean and that is important because diminishing women's pain is one of yeah. the many things that the patriarchy mm-hmm. likes to do but of course yes. 
there's this long, long history um, of elevating white women at the expense of all other women, pretty much. Right. I, I mean, mean it's, it's classic white feminism. That's what, yeah. And that's you what, know. that's what white feminism is. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, mm-hmm. you know, the. Ben- it's feminism that only cares about white women's issues. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, continues to uphold white supremacy. Yes. So we do. Yes. It's. It is interesting. It only addresses the things that are inconvenient to white women. Right. (laughs) It's interesting to look at Buffy the Vampire Slayer as a show, as a text, a cultural text Mm -hmm. that is upheld as being very feminist and progressive. Mm -hmm. Um, Certainly. Although there are issues with that, too. I mean, it's. It's kind of feminist. Yeah. It's like mostly feminist. It's, well, it's, it's <laughs> in complicated. In a lot of ways, it's not. Yeah, it's complicated yeah. in its feminism. And I mean, and that's yeah. something that I feel like we are discussing and continuing to discuss yeah. here. But it is very, very um, white feminist mm-hmm. in, yes, its, in its feminism. I also think that a lot of the feminism of the show is accidental. Yes, I was just going to say that. <laughs> Do you do you have yeah. a little rap for this, or do you want me to do mine? <laughs> oh no, you do yours. I think I did mine, you know, <laughs> at some point already. So I want to hear yours. Mine is just I think that that what gets called feminist in the show quite often, certainly early on, is yeah. um was not an attempt at creating a feminist storyline. It was an attempt to be different. And interesting. Yeah, to subvert the horror storyline mm-hmm. where the blonde gets killed. Yeah. Right. And then critics said, oh, this is feminist. And mm-hmm. Joss Whedon said, yeah, totally. Totally it is. Oh, yeah. No, For I'm sure. a great feminist. Yeah, because definitely. my mom. That's what. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just yeah. not mm-hmm. that. No, like that's not how that. That's not how that works. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's what I see anyway. And I can't speak for what is or is not in Joss Whedon's heart. I can just say that from an external perspective, based on a lot of what we get actually within the text of Buffy, um, that that feminism was something ascribed to it more than aspired to from within it. Um, and so I don't really see it. I see it as having a complicated feminism. There are definitely some things that are highly, you know, feminist within Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Um, but, but it doesn't quite understand, I think, all the issues that it raises. And it also is a huge, huge proponent of, you know, um, the patriarchy, basically. So, so we've got a lot of that going on, too, without question. So I think that overall, like all of us, Buffy is complicated. <laughs> Buffy learns as it goes. Uh, Buffy makes mistakes. You know, there's still still great stuff within Buffy. And I don't mean to take away from what it does or what it has. You know, I think that it's just an important conversation to be having about it. Because if you ascribe Buffy, you know, this, this status as the ultimate in feminism, um, you're misrepresenting really what feminism should be and what it's about and how complicated it can be. Um, so, so I don't, I like, I don't want to get in this space where it's like a constant refrain of, of accusations of, you know, bad feminism or, you know, like racism and like all of this stuff. It's, it's not the fault of Buffy. It's the fault of the culture in which we live that Buffy is reflecting back at us. So when I'm critiquing that, I don't really feel like getting into this whole accusation space about Joss Whedon or about any of the people who write this stuff or any of that, because all of us who have been raised within this culture it is just reflecting us back at us Mm -hmm. so when I see it I am critical of things that I didn't see that I didn't question there are still things you bring up stuff to me every week that I just like you know like (laughs) honestly like you know and I'm doing my best but I don't always get it oh wait till we get to vampire willow Right. You know, and I'm sure that I've written stuff in my books that is equally as, as, you know, stupid and and thoughtless, you know, Um, and I didn't mean to, but it's there because it's reflected, it's the culture reflected through its art. And so it's important that when we're talking about this, everybody understand I'm not necessarily criticizing the art itself. I'm criticizing the culture. There will be times where I criticize the art. Like, for instance, (laughs) 
bad eggs. But um, but you know, but overall, it's it's just important that we take a look at the culture being reflected back at us and make sure we question these things because it makes it easier to see it when it comes at us in real time in real life now. You know, yeah, um, and that's a skill set that I think we all need to to build up. I think probably me more than most. <laughs> I'm trying, but stuff gets past me all the time. I'm like Lucy at the chocolate factory. Like I catch a couple of them. I stuff a couple of them in my bra, but the rest just go right past me. I'm like, you know. Um, so I do, I do my best, and I think that everybody working on Buffy did their best. Yeah, you know. So I, I don't want to like make it an accusatory thing, but yet I think it's important that we talk about right. it. Right, it's important that we talk about it, and also that in being critical of it, we're not diminishing the ways in which people did see themselves represented finally mm-hmm. in this show right. because that mm-hmm. is something that certainly as as we move through the seasons and we mm-hmm. see more character development from really everybody but there's a yeah. lot of there are a lot of experiences represented on Buffy that I think didn't get a lot of attention in mm-hmm. other yeah. places at the time. So for many of us, it was the first real conversation that yeah. we got to have mm-hmm. with a piece of pop culture about relationships or gender and sexuality or, um, you know, big emotions related to growing up and responsibility mm-hmm. and owning power and mm-hmm. what that all, you know, how that all looks and feels for people having different experiences. So that's, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. so that's a component of it as well, that it's not, you know, it's never, <laughs> nothing is ever just one thing. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's never just one thing. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, so we appreciate the complications. We appreciate you know, the different elements that, that contribute to all of these things. Um, you know, we're not slamming anybody. We're not calling anybody bad people. We're not like, you know, it's it's not about condemnation. It's about examination. And that's just what we have to do. Except for Joyce. Because what the hell, Joyce? Except I Joyce. mean, come on. No, no, Joyce, that's not Joyce's fault. No, it's though. not. Joyce is not a character. <laughs> like, if she was actually a character, then I would have a conversation. And when we get to Surprise and Innocence next week, we are going to have a conversation about Joyce because Jesus. But, um, yeah, there's some bad stuff there. You thought the Streetwalker thing was bad. Oh, my God. But, um... <laughs> But we'll talk about that next week. But yeah, I mean, like, uh, Joyce is just not, she's not a character. She's a, a conflict vending machine. And when that's happening, there's just nothing you can do. You can't talk about it because there's nothing there. It's just, we're just using this character to deliver some conflict for our main character. And, and they're just there to reflect the main character back at themselves and, and create problems. And, and you know, I mean, whatever. It's it's fine. Bad eggs is, you know, whatever. We have Willow <laughs> going to teach the dreidel song to her eggs, so I like that. <laughs> yeah, Willow is Jewish. Hooray. Willow is Jewish. That's, yeah. that's lovely. And I do, I mean, it's it's borderline offensive, Xander saying, teach it that dreidel song as a counterpoint right. to good Christian values. But to give to yeah. give Xander every benefit of the doubt, I think that for most high schoolers in 1998, that's that was the understanding. That's what you know about Jewish culture. Although she's his best friend, yeah. So it, <laughs> you know he grew up. But like uh, as we find out with Willow's life, is that I think she's like you know like uh, ethnically Jewish, you know. But I don't think they are practicing like the religious aspect of Judaism very much in her household. It does not seem to be that way. Um, so we never really like discuss Judaism or have any representation of real Judaism. You know, um, on the show, it's nice that Willow is Jewish and that we have her as part of the main crew um but it's it's not like that's a huge you know strike of representation for Judaism. right <laughs> so it's 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 a shame but yeah. um because it would it would have been nice yeah it would have been to, nice have a... to have have her practicing and then to to see the how that blends with her embracing of like wicca later you know when a we Jewish, talk about wicca yeah, as a, you know Jewish as a religion. witch and we complicate yeah. i mean religion in sunnydale is super complicated and we we mix yeah. up 
Wicca, the religion, with witchcraft, the practice, and oh man, yes. oh man, oh man, it's all it's all a big mess. But you know what? We'll get to it's that so when we get to it. So, Noel, yes. what are you wearing this week? Oh my goodness! <laughs> well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But, um, I, I mean, the the only thing that I really picked up on was Willow's weird shirt. Where she's, because it's a tough call, right? If you're a parasitic demon attaching yourself to someone's spinal column, right? Do you make them wear a longer shirt to cover up what's really going on? Or one that is oddly folded up at the back so you can get some fresh air, you know? And also so that the camera can see you, right? Um, it felt, it was such a weird shirt for Willow, you know, to have that like gaping spot at the base of her spine. And um yeah, so that yeah. was all I got about for the from the costumes this week. That was the only thing that like stood out to me, you know, yeah. aside from uh, you know Cordelia's you know backpack, her her bear. Oh my backup. god, <laughs> build this... a bear workshop backpack. That backpack. Oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. there are some nice tiny backpacks this week. I remember yes. when tiny yes. backpacks were the Last height thing. of fashion. Oh, um, absolutely. Yeah, nothing really leapt out at me. I mean, other than that bare backpack, um, except yeah. the the girl at the very beginning, the unnamed girl at the mall yeah. with that uh, mm -hmm. Lyle is gonna oh right gonna mm -hmm. bite is wearing white tights, which always Ooh. looks like a uniform to me. I yes. always decide that mm -hmm. somebody wearing white stockings is. In uniform. It goes to a private school. Yeah, or right? something. Yeah. I couldn't. <laughs> yes. I I was confused about that whole situation, though, because I watched the episode a couple times. And the first time I didn't catch that it's the mirror that Buffy's looking mm -hmm. in that shows her that Lyle is a vampire. I don't know. It's right. yeah. it's a weird thing. I like. It's, a, I, it's all weird. I'm down with cowboy vampires, though. Yeah, no. Cowboy I hats on it. vampires. I'm here for it. Works for me. I like I like a little cultural flavor, historical flavor in my vampires. It's kind of fun. All right. So for the patriarchy, for this week's uh, moment in patriarchy, what do you got? This week in the patriarchy. Right. <laughs> I mean, oh, gosh. We get, I mean, Xander's kind of yucky, but Cordelia yeah. gives it right back to him. Slaps him down, yeah. and he's 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 textually acknowledged as gross. Yeah. So there you go. And At least you get that. The Gorch brothers are gross, but they're supposed to be. I mean, yeah. Sugar lips. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like... yeah, but that's the thing. Like, if, if it's if it's acknowledged in the text that it's not okay, then I got no problem. Yeah, they're gross. Like, it's I don't fine. I don't need everybody to be perfect. That would be boring. But um, <laughs> but when it's when it's acknowledged that it's not a good thing, so I think we're actually doing okay on our patriarchy scale this week. We're we're, we're a real low hum on the patriarchy scale. Um, so girl power. What do you got for girl power? You okay. Uh Oh yeah, just just the idea of the low hum of the patriarchy. <laughs> just it's like constant, it's like is something on? Do you hear that? Right. Do you hear it's right. like the TV? No, that's exactly what the patriarchy is. It's that air conditioning sound in the background that you don't hear until all of a sudden you hear it and you're like, "Wait, has that been on the whole time?" Yeah. 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 That's exactly what the pa it's the low evil hum of the patriarchy. <laughs> Oh, man. Oh, All right. Man. So what you got for your girl power? Moment girl power. I love Yay. Buffy going after the baby critter with the yeah. iron and then stabbing it with the fabric scissors. That feels very like I'm going to take killing evil domesticity household things. Yeah, I'm going to take domesticity mm -hmm. and I'm going to use it to kill evil. I'm going to there you go. I'm going to smash the bizarre patriarchy, except it's the <laughs> matriarchy. It is a matriarchy. It's a mama. I don't know about this. I think that is some serious internalized misogyny on the part of the show. Um, I think they're not giving power to the to the mama. This is a okay. This is a narrative about single motherhood and how difficult it is. And <laughs> Buffy is just like smashing. Bitch, I got one hundred and eighty five children. Yes. Don't even complain to me. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. A bazaar, mm -hmm. by the way, is a real, that's a real word. Um, it's a yeah. stone that forms in the stomach of ruminants, I learned. So oh, yeah. there you go. Why? Well, they, had them in, they had them in Harry Potter, didn't they? Didn't they have oh, like a bazaar thing that they had to swallow or something? Maybe. I don't know. Maybe I'm mixing it up with something else. I don't I know. I have no idea. I don't know. I don't know. It's like we find I a I liked... magical sounding word and we just throw right. it 
the script. Just throw it in there because whatever. Fine. Right. Yep. You know, um, I liked Buffy diving in. Right. Mm-hmm. After after Texter, Texter had been eaten by this thing, dives in, beats the hell out of this bazaar. And first of all, the bazaar is physically like covering up the whole where does she does she dive inside? Yeah. The bazaar, like, how does she? And then she just hacks her way out with a pickaxe and then comes out <laughs> when she pulls herself out covered in this bazaar tar. Right. Yes. And then and then my favorite moment, I think, which, you know, again, is 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 Lyle when he's like the whole thing. He's like, this ain't over. This ain't over. This ain't over. So this lovely three beat. This ain't over. This ain't over. And then finally, when she comes out covered in tar, having killed the thing that just killed his brother, he was like, all right, it's over. Yep. Yep. Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. So all right. So I just I just kind of stepped on the next thing, which is our favorite part. That is my favorite part. What is your favorite part? My favorite part is Mama Willow. I right. I love I I love Cute. that bit of characterization for her that she's excited about the idea of having a baby someday. The baby. <laughs> the baby. <laughs> All right, that's it for today. To join in the discussion on Twitter, follow me at Lonnie Diane Rich and Noel at Noel Aloud and use the hashtag still pretty. You can also visit the Chipperish forums. Go to chipperish.com, click on the forum and join in the fun. Or you can keep Chipperish Media going to the tune of a dollar a month or more and gain access to the live chat in Discord where you can hang out with me and Lonnie and all the Chipperish patrons who do have a sort of Machiavellian ingenuity to their transgressions. Visit patreon.com slash chipperish to find out more you can also show your support by giving still pretty a great review on apple podcasts or by telling your friends about the show or by seeing their and raising them like yeah we will be back next time with surprise and innocence the 13th and 14th episode of season two until then it's an egg it doesn't emote <laughs>